Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised that Mickey Redmond's first, literal first moments, first seconds on the Winged Wheel podcast became the probably most prolific moment in podcast history to date. The man didn't even say a word (laughs) and had the most cinematic, exciting, like, just entrance. We were recording the live podcast and I heard a gasp and an immediate, the the room exploded with cheer and applause. And I didn't even have to look over to realize what had happened. He's the Evan of special guest stars. Took a long, long time to get here. Had to do very little, but it is the immediate favorite of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I like how he confirmed to everyone that they don't do any research beforehand they just show up when they need to show up and they start and they move on (laughs) well i don't think it was that they don't do research it's that they don't do the practice they don't right they don't do the rehearsal they don't do any pre-recordings yeah they just do it live fire it off the hip um congratulations to both of you for being awake i will would like to let everyone know that i was probably the first awake and Definitely the first one outside today. Oh my god, yeah. I was lit- I opened my eyes and I saw a message from Evan two minutes before that says, All right, I'm driving home. See you later, boys. Good luck with the or have a have a good drive. And then twenty minutes later he's like, oh, I had to fill out all my stuff at the border. I got to fill out my test. <laughs> <laughs> I get the old rant. Yeah, thanks for wasting our time. Here's a random test that you now have to do. I was fully prepped, walked in, the border garden. And I were having a good conversation, super nice. And then I was leaving. Here's your random test. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Not me. You know, it's a weird. It's a weird time in the world when Ryan's the one who's not getting. The I made it tests. right through. I was yeah. the one most anxious at the border, <laughs> and I just I hardly had to hit the brakes either way. Uh, folks, this is our first episode post Wing Wheel podcast night at the LCA. We literally drove home today. Got home just a few hours ago. Some of us. Um, Before we do the intros, just two quick words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What an incredible night. Um, We're going to chat about it for a little bit here. Um, For those of you who don't like uh, anything that's not Red Wings hockey, check the the description of the episode. You can skip forward to that part. (laughs) Um, But genuinely, thank you. Uh, And if you're a new listener, welcome to the Winged Wheel podcast. Here to talk Red Wings hockey, I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Did that feel more impactful because you know there's new ears on you? Um, it felt more impactful because my throat is literally <laughs> falling out of my body. Yeah, I had legit concerns when I woke up this morning if I'd be able to do this episode today because mm-hmm. my vo- my voice was hoarse. Like, it was almost gone. I've never eaten a pack of cigarettes, but I, I think <laughs> this is what it feels like. <laughs> Uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we're of course going to be recapping uh, what Winged Wheel Podcast at the L- LCA Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA did was like. Eh, words aren't important if you're a podcast host. We used a lot of words yesterday. We've run out. For yes, today. yeah, we we dipped into today's reserves. Uh, we have some people to thank, and of course, we're going to be talking about the Red Wings game. Uh, some Red Wings notes before jumping into overtime here. Um, we did do a live recording at that. 
uh, at the event, our first ever live episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. For those who want a video uh, and an audio of it, we are going to put it out there. It's just, just going to take a little bit of um, audio engineering and cleanup, and I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, like I said, we're sending it off to Hans Zimmer and we'll see what he can do with it. Um, Wind Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA, the, the most important part about it was that it was in benefit of the Jamie Daniels Foundation, um, an organization that we're thrilled to partner with and a portion of proceeds from every ticket um, is going to come back and go straight to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So um, big shout out to the Detroit Red Wings for helping us make that happen. Um and to the 400 plus Winged Wheel podcast fans and listeners who bought uh, WWP night tickets, we had no idea what the turnout would be. I was absolutely blown away. I knew we sold a lot of tickets, but then to see like the wave of people when they opened the the facility up was mostly terrifying. I It's the first time I've actually seen Evan visibly nervous. I'm like, okay, I gave Evan, I give Evan a lot of shit. I do. And uh, I will never stop. But Evan rocked it yesterday for a guy who is not a, you know, 500 person crowd kind of guy. Evan was a star yesterday. I'm going to do you what? Did you watch early South Park? Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like Ned from South Park. I don't remember that. He's got the voice box. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's me right now. Thank you for coming out. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, I uh, definitely battled through with the words per 60 life. Yeah, words words per life. But uh, I had an awesome time. Yeah, we are. um, we're we're completely disjointed and just running on basically caffeine right now. So if we miss anyone or, or we're not uh, properly articulating how special and how important it was for all of you to come out, I promise you we're going to do that a little bit better over time. But we have some people to thank. First of all, Ken Daniels and Mickey Redmond for coming in and joining us on our first ever live episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Um, Ken was there right from the start. Thank God Ken showed up because he just starts and automatically just starts controlling the room. Whereas Man, if it was so- just the three of us sitting up there trying to do an episode, we have been screwed. I, was, I, don't, I couldn't think of anything to actually say. It's <laughs> different. It's different recording in front of a live, well, not studio, but a live audience. I, I said to you, I think the first thing I said was, we well, don't have the luxury of edits, but we both had this little fear in our, fear in our eyes, like, oh, we don't have the luxury of edits. <laughs> that was more of a fear for you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, no, genuinely, you are all amazing. It was an amazing crowd. Uh, everyone was incredible. It was so good to see so many new faces. It was so good to see so many returning faces. Um, so Ken and Mick, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we can't wait to do that again. Uh, to the many, many incredible people with the Detroit Red Wings, um, this couldn't have happened without you. So um, so much respect and admiration for the, the entire operation and uh, working with you and planning with you is, um, was a blast and looking forward to doing that again. Um, Everett, at Born to Dan Hart on Twitter. If you guys aren't following him, please do. Um, everything from emotional support to uh, a huge benefactor of the Jamie Daniels Foundation and uh, was, did our audio, actually. Um, helped out with the, the Red Wings crew with that as well. Uh, the Winging and Motown guys, or the Winging Motown crew who all came out, uh, Kyle, Sarah, everyone. Um, it was amazing to see you. Joseph brought us those shirts, the Stay Fresh <laughs> Cheese Bag shirts. Uh, Jen, who's always a huge support, happy happy birthday. No, it was it was genuinely amazing. Um, 
we'll go into more detail about, I don't know, later this episode and future episodes, but just want you guys to know, like, this is our first kick at the can at this. We didn't know how it would go. Uh, planning was, you know, hard. Stressful. Without, yeah. <laughs> it was when you're not able to be like, this was our first time in the arena since 2019. So planning was really, really difficult because of that. And uh, we think the event went great, but we already know things that we can do better and, and how to make it a bigger and better um, event for everyone. So um, there will be another winged wheel podcast night at the LCA. And um, we can't wait to make it an even better show for you guys. I don't know. I'm uh, I need a sip of my tea here, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> that that sums yeah. it up. I, I like driving home today. I was just, just thinking about the whole thing that that many people came yeah to see the red wings and are like part of the donation to the jamie daniels foundation and came to hang out with people who listen to the podcast like it just it's so i don't even know what the right it's surreal but like that doesn't even seem like the right word like it just doesn't even feel real to me and it's so it's just it blows my mind our first meetup and i'm not making this up our first meetup was evan and i at Kobo Joe's. It was Nathan Miller and his wife. Nathan Miller and his wife. It was two people we had. They they brought us out to Kobo Joe's. Or we met up with them there. It was actually, I think, incidental. Yeah. Um, We had lunch with them before the game. And that was our first meetup. And the first time we hit like 30 people at a meetup, we were like, whoa. We're going to have to like book some tables. <laughs> and then the next one hit 100. And then the next one hit, we think like, I don't know, 200 people came through. And then we were like... These are like getting kind of big. And I think we had to open the doors in the beer garden where we were because we were technically going to be over capacity if we didn't open the doors. Oh, we were over capacity. Well, no, because we opened the doors. So technically we were not. Once the doors were open, we were good. Yeah. (laughs) There's a dicey few seconds there where the capacity limits were. uh, I think, I think you all, I think there must've been 200, 250. I don't know. At the meetup alone, because there was over 400 tickets, but. Um, I know a lot of people who I was talking to at least last night anyway, um, kept coming up to me and like thanking me and, and us. And it just felt wrong because the money raised for the foundation, the event, all of it, that's not us. We were there. You guys are the ones who bought the tickets. You guys are the ones who listen. You guys are the ones who, you know, your the proceeds from your tickets went to the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Obviously, we donate a little bit to ourselves, but we can't, we don't have enough to match what you guys raised. No, we donate ourselves. We don't donate to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Don't, we donate ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> we're not siphoning money. Here. <laughs> yeah. But so it's, like I said, it's it's not us. It was you guys. Yeah. It like obviously Ryan went through hell and stress to make sure everything was flawless and set up there. So obviously he gets a lot of credit for that. But once the event was on, it was you guys. It's okay. Actually first, um, genuinely thank both. I thank both of you. I know it was a basket case coming in and you were both <laughs> very patient with me. So thank you. Um, Evan, you should not have told me that you were going to bring your golf clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know how to get under your skin <laughs> at the most inappropriate times. <laughs> Sickeningly so. Um, thank you to my incredible better half who for some reason has not run away. Uh, Mel, you were an inc- they would have fallen apart without her. And Brad's uh, sister-in-law, Melanie, 
who was just coming to have a good time and got roped into <laughs> helping run the thing. So uh, thank both of them, seriously. Um, but what Brad was saying, when we sit in awe of you know these meetups, it's not like, oh, look how important we are. It's genuine. It's I swear. I actually you, hate that part the most. It's yeah. the, <laughs> I literally hate that the most. <laughs> it's the opposite. We don't think we're important. We are in awe of the how this community has grown, and we have so much. We're so humbled, and we're just so happy to be a part of it. And that the support you guys show us, the support you show the foundation. Just the way the Red Wings community and the Winged Wheel podcast community has come together and, and grown. It's like every step of the way, we we think, ah, this has to be the peak. This has there, There's no the, way it can get bigger than this. The pinch me moment list is getting too big. Yeah. Because I keep having to ha- add another one to the list. Like, it was it's like just crazy. A half dozen like individual moments you could pick out yesterday that were like, what what is happening? Like first intermission, when Mick walked in the for like when the doors opened in the beer garden and the crowd started following in walking past the line at founders for the post game like it, it's crazy can it's, we talk about how googly eyed ryan was after uh all the his beverages yesterday oh. <laughs> <laughs> no that's for the patreon exclusive so. <laughs> yeah ryan sitting here upright right now feels like a big accomplishment for him i'm a medical miracle <laughs> um, really mel and i were talking about that one thing we have to do better next time is plan time to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I had, I had half a deep dish and that was it from what, what did we have lunch? 1230. Yeah. That was all I had between. So I got one of those little four square little Caesar pizzas at second intermission. I ate half of that. Uh, Cause that's what I had time to eat. And I didn't eat anything else until 11 AM today. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, not good for the old uh, health there, but uh, we got through. You certainly walked it off, though. <laughs> oh, you burned those calories. Yeah. Um, well, the beer has calories, so I, I still think I, I still <laughs> feel like I had a surplus for the day yesterday. Uh, and uh, another thank you to Ken and Mick. We went up to the booth where they call the games. Extremely cool. Just very, very cool to see it from their point of view. Also, very impressive. Following the play from up there is not easy. No. And like. Very strange perspective from up there. We we're sheltered in here. We have a we're in, you know, for the most part, no live audiences. You know, we get do overs, and uh, I'm looking at screens. Ken's calling the game for me usually while I'm watching to cover it. Like doing a lot. That's it's a whole different ball game. I have a like. Obviously, we knew how hard it or we had an idea of how hard it was for them, but for them to be the best in the biz, like they're the best in the biz. Oh yeah, it was hilarious to me too when we got there because we were walking the little cat walk to get there because ken gave us the instructions on when where and how to to meet with him there and um we're walking the gondola and the arenas to the the rings to the right of us but there's still fans to the left of us i'm like where are we and there was a couple guys who yelled from there oh my god it's a winged wheel podcast and i just started dying laughing and then we walk into the to the booth and i'm I'm like, I don't think I heard the buzzer, but ah, well, I wasn't really paying much attention. So, and then I walk in and they, they let us in and they're actually calling the game. I'm like, oh, shit, we... like, why did they let us in now? And like, <laughs> I know. And they didn't, they didn't even flinch. They didn't miss a word, like completely locked in, zoned in. And I'm like, oh, they are way better at this than anybody else alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks. Um, 
if you're a new listener, I promise you we are, we don't do so much self-indulgence at the every, at the beginning of every episode. But I mean it when we say it's it's not about us. We just have to thank everyone. Well, we kind of do. Uh, at least Evan does during golf season. But. Yes, he does. <laughs> Evan does, does during golf season and Brad does after every hockey game he plays. We don't do uh, this much self-indulgence, but it was it was such a momentous occasion and we had to we had to just thank you all. Um, genuinely, I know we're we're not putting forward the words that this event deserves. We didn't even mention Wings money on the board. We still have to tally everything that you guys uh, uh, pledged and donated. Uh, Prashant Iyer, massive shout out for for driving the bus on that, especially while we were, you know, frolicking around the LCA. Um, we're going to do a tally on that and check all the pledges. We had eight pledges for the one-off game as of like Wednesday, and I Prashanth messaged me at some point. He's like, um, "Did we pass seventy-five? Because we added a Lucas Raymond jersey and a Moritz Sider jersey to the pool, including a signed Vladimir Mesnikov jersey." Yeah, I scrolled down the list, and when I got past a hundred, I was like, "Yeah, Prashanth, we blew past it." <laughs> so I don't know how many pledges there are. I'll give you guys an update on that next time to to let you know how much you raised for the Jamie Daniels Foundation outside of the ticket sales. Yeah, and what if, what if our listeners raised? Um, Ken mentioned on the broadcast, it's like over 20K for the year. Yeah, it pledged and donated That's- through Wings Money on the board and, and various other initiatives. Um, you guys have brought in over 20, or 20K around in the past year or so. So uh, we're going to get exact numbers, especially as the season goes on. But hey, Wings... God, we didn't even mention the broadcast. <laughs> So many things happened yesterday. I know. <laughs> there, uh, check our Twitter or check our Instagram. Um, it was very, very cool. They, uh, Bally Sports Detroit, thank you. Did a really cool package on on WWP night. They showed, had clips of us um, uh, recording the live pod with Ken and Mick. Uh, they had a, a, some, like a recording of the whole setup. Um, it was very Surreal is the right word. Well, it, seeing our faces on a Red Wings broadcast is not something I ever expected in my life. Because I remember too when we were recording before. I don't know if it was you or Evan. I leaned over to him like, "Why the hell is there a camera here?" Because <laughs> we didn't know there was a camera c- crew coming for anything. And then when we saw it, we're like, "Is that Bally? What are they doing?" Like maybe they're just getting crowd shots of Ken and Mick for or for whatever. And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And then, yeah, what was it? At some point during the first period or first intermission, our phones, like the notifications on our Twitter just exploded. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, something happened. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know the first comment I saw after the uh, video? No. Someone was like, oh, I understand what Ryan's barber was saying now. <laughs> Holy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Didn't miss a beat. Never change, folks. Oh, we'll, the- we'll do the celebrity roast of Ryan Hanna. Yeah, officially one day. I'm afraid it's going to be too. There's going to be too much material. Right <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> in a big rock guy. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Sarah. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into Red Wings hockey. Thank you all for uh, anyone who listened to all that. Genuinely, thank you. Um, okay, the game. Dylan Larkin decided he wanted to score from anywhere on the ice and chose the uh, equivalent of the Steph Curry. Three point <laughs> from the baseline twice. Uh, he wanted his two two goals to average out from being shot directly from the goal line. Just about. Yeah. Um. Altogether, we didn't have the luxury of a barn burner, but considering Detroit's last two games against Montreal, I think this is a significantly better show or less bad showing, I should say. If you take out the third period, it was a pretty good game. Yeah, not bad. Um. Um. If you want to include the third period, Alex Nedeljkovic had one hell of a game. 
Alex Nedeljkovic has not missed a beat ever since he's, well, I don't think he was ever out of form, but there was a couple games where it's just like, yeah, you're adjusting to playing behind a new defense. But um, Grice has had a few like really good games and a few like, you know, stinkers, normal. It's not a really concerning level for me. He started that one Montreal game, so. (laughs) Nedeljkovic has been rock solid through and through. And not to say he's never going to have a bad game again in his life, but he has been so far as advertised. You know, talking about, again, game, third round pick, third round pick. Thank you. Third round pick. And what was it? The idea of <laughs> and the idea of Jonathan Bernier. Yeah. Who, by the way, is having a speaking of that trade is having a very, very strong season. Just not for Carolina. Yeah. The yes, New Jersey. Um, the difference between this year and last year and we have talked about it so many times but it's worth saying again there's just a few key changes to this team first of all significantly better players of course that that helps helps. but your goaltender you having two rock solid goaltenders for the most part you put in grice you put in delkovich right now you're not terribly concerned last year it was either Bernier or when Bernier was hurt, it was when Grice really stepped up. But now Detroit has two goalies and one especially who's keeping them in games where, yeah, that third period, Detroit was lucky to make it to overtime. Yeah, They went into that third period with a lead and they were lucky to make it to overtime. So, yeah, that was unsurprising, but really, really excellent to see. And I am happy. Um, when Nadelkovic was on the show, he did say he was going to shoot for open net. So I am looking forward to empty net situations with... he had the one on the PK where he just the Montreal rimmed it around the boards. He grabbed it, looked up and went, Oh yeah, I don't need to play this defenseman and just bombed it. I immediately turned around and looked at Ryan and went, he's going to pot one this year. He a hundred percent is. Someone I want to talk about Philip Zadina watching him that game. There was a couple points where Zadina was playing and Evan and I just looked at each other like, man, this kid is like, he's good. His kid is seriously good. And then you look at the, he advanced stats. Actually, should credit there was um, someone on uh, Reddit who posted this as well. It was something from Money Puck. Uh, it was the Flanderer on Reddit. The they pulled up the Fabry Suter Zadina line has the third highest goals expected goals percentage. Raymond Larkin Bertuzzi is twelfth right now. Fabry Suter Zadina and let's Pew Suter has really really heated up. It's kind of same as Nedeljkovic. Took a little bit of time, but has really found his form. I think Fabry has been excellent through and through, but Zadina as well, man, like it's there. It's going to convert at some point. You don't want to oversimplify things um, with certain players about why X happens or, or why this happens. The general discourse around Philip Zadina in Red Wings social media circles would be a lot different if he had any accuracy to his shot this year. And it's that simple, which he, is wild because he can pick them. He does. Yeah. I think he's gripping a stick. I think, I, it's, I think someone said he uses that like sandpaper. Oh type my God. He's on on the tip list. I don't get bro. No Bertuzzi uses it. And Bertuzzi's not a sniper. He just puts it through the goalie. He just wills it into the net. Uh, I guess we're not doing the next meetup. <laughs> it's been canceled. <laughs> No, I. But no, I, hey, I mean, the two Red Wings who have uh, accuracy issues, Philip Peronik and uh, Philip. Right. Zinich, no, I know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, <laughs> Brad. <laughs> Brad but, uh, for those of who don't know, Brad is a uh, hockey equipment expert and purist. How I am with poutine, Brad is about. I wouldn't like, even say purist. It's just there's, you are there's certain purist. things I'm, obsess- I'm obsessive about and hockey equipment. 
and proper tape on your stick is one of my things. And I, to be fair, I've, um, shout out to Max for, for actually finding out for me what the heck it was on their stick. Cause, um, on the camera feed, I couldn't pick it out clear. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually seen what it's using because up until like a couple weeks ago, it was only available to pro. So I actually can't form an opinion on it because I've never handled it. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, no. So getting back to Zadina, because there is no part of his game this year that I don't like other than his finishing. He like it's it's not news to anybody on this podcast that he's good because I we have been beating that to death for a year and a half now. And it was just the counting stats weren't there, but you know, his playmaking was phenomenal. He was, his ability to generate chances is great. His two way game is excellent. Um, there, there's not a lot to hate about his game when watching it in person yesterday. Cause obviously, you know, Phillips Dina being actually good is the hill I've been willing to die on for the last year and a half. I wanted to really focus in on him to make sure that with the advantage of watching him in person that, you know, the the true eye test matched what I thought and it it exceeded it. Mm-hmm. The things he does with the puck and the lanes that he sees and you know his timing, it's phenomenal. Dude just can't finish. He had that breakaway, he he ripped it, and um Jake Allen made a really nice pad save. He had another point blank chance that he just missed the net on. Like this dude should have a goal or two every night the way he plays and he just doesn't. And it's it's frustrating because that's what he was built. That's what was built as his strength. Yeah. So it's a pleasant surprise. The rest of his game's rounded out, but it sucks that that part is regressed. So once he figures it out, they've got a, a potential star on their hands. And we've, I, th- I do think there's a certain element of uh, unluckiness to Zadina's game for sure. But I also think this, this goes into the conversation earlier. And this isn't, I don't think this is, you know, push the red button problematic, but it does, that does fall on Zadina a little bit. Oh, it does. Every great score, unless you're like Alex Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, they go through this. And especially Zadina's not, he's not billed and was never meant to be like a generational talent, but he's a very talented player. And to speak in a non-technical, like very oversimplified terms, Having the raw talent is one thing. Putting it together is another thing. And he's he's still developing as a player. He's still very young. And certain parts of his game are going to come in and out. And having that consistency and being able to tap into that talent night in and night out, that's what makes – that's what separates talented players from everyday NHL players. Like you are a pro and you are scoring in the NHL. I think it's just a confidence issue with him because we've we've seen over the course of his career in Halifax and when in international play – Dude can rip, like to, to to put it over simply, the guy can shoot the puck, and he has a history of having very good accuracy and tremendous finishing. The breakaway he had that he missed was a little telling to me because he was a left shot coming down the left side and put it low far side. That's a very low percentage shot. It's a shot you'll see NHL players take a lot, but what good hockey coaches will teach players is if you don't have a pass and the goalie's giving you nothing low far side, because that's going to kick a rebound out right into the middle of the ice. That's not a shot you take on a breakaway because it's not going to go in 80% of the time. And when someone puts it low pat, low far side, you know, you're not going in, you're hoping for chaos in front of the net. So that's one I would like to see Zadina be a little more aggressive with the shot. Cause you think he can pick that corner. Yeah, he can pick that corner. He's on a breakaway. That wasn't the only option for him. Yeah. He could have deked. He could have 
uh, been a little, we'll call it cuter with the shot and tried to go bar down or something like that. He had options. So it was a little, you know, disappointing. Like the other option there is that was just, he, he just made a very poor selection because again, like I said, a guy with his talents, that's not a shot you want him taking in that spot. So it is what it is. I, I think once he gets a couple under his belt, we should start to see a little more confidence with that shot because I, I do notice that he's, he's, even when he does get good chances, he's releasing it a little quick. Yeah. He, he's not really, he, he's trying to beat the goalie through timing rather than beating the goalie just through his shot, which again is disappointing because his shot, when given time and space, uh, one-on-one with the goalie, he'll win that battle more often than not, but he's not trying it. He's, he's getting the puck and he's going, okay, let me just shoot it before the goalie gets set. Shit. I missed. You know, we're talking about Zadina, his shot is suffering and he's not really scoring as much as we know he can. Man, good problem to have when literally every other part, in my mind, every other part of his game and as well as the rest of that line is clicking. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, he's just missing the most important part that keeps you, that elevates you to a different level in the NHL. I think it'll come. I do too. Yeah. His game right now is too good and it looks too well-rounded for it not to turn around. Yeah. And I mean... Like, Other, otherwise, he's Riley Shahan. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say like... <laughs> no, he's better than Riley Shahan. Yeah, yeah no, that's what he's Already, saying. yeah. Well, okay, can we just talk about how wild it was to almost watch Adam Ernie score the goal of the year? Oh live? my God. <laughs> oh my, I was... I immediately looked. I was like, what Montreal Canadians let that happen? <laughs> and, I, I, hey, I almost I thought it was like Lucas Raymond for a second. I, I saw the three. <laughs> I saw the three, the second part of it. Like, it was, he's 73, and I saw the three. I'm like, oh, man, Lucas. A- Adam Ernie. <laughs> well, he was a left shot coming down, and we were just talking about, it. like, the way he was navigating the neutral zone, going inside, outside, and the agility. I actually thought it was Zadina until I saw the three. And then I'm like, no, who is that? And it took me a sec. And then he got the shot off and turned. I'm like, that was Adam Ernie. Yeah. What What world do we live in where Adam Ernie just went coast to coast through like three Canadians and then almost ripped far side on the Montreal goalie? And let's not, let's not discount Adam Ernie. I think ever since he heated up last year, he has shown us that kind of offensive ability to varying degrees that we hoped for when he first came over to Detroit, when Eisman first brought him over. So I've been very happy with Adam Ernie as a player in general. He's not asked to be a first-line forward, but he's asked to kind of show some offensive flair. But yeah, you don't see coast-to-coast put three people on a poster and nearly school, <laughs> nearly blow the roof, the the brand-new shiny roof off the LCA. That's He he wanted the L, L, uh, LED roof, so he wanted to blow that one off. He, oh, he, I swear he almost did it. It was wild. Um, Dylan Larkin. Two goals and his OT winner was his 300th NHL point, assisted by Lucas Raymond, which then gave us the most um, heartwarming picture of the year with Lucas <laughs> hugging, hugging Dylan Larkin, looking like he's three feet shorter. <laughs> uh, also had a apple cider that game too, so yes. they they matched each other in pace for the uh, rookie scoring lead. Yeah, good for both Raymond and Cider for keeping that point scoring going, um, and. We should have given a shout out to Dylan. Obviously, knew it was Wind Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA and thought, oh, we can't have these guys here for our loss. So he buried the game game for the Red Wings. So that felt good. I I have no idea what the record has been, but I feel like we've been there for a lot of losses over the years. I don't want to say recently. That was the first game since 2019. Was the first, was the last win I was at, home at opener. Joe Louis Arena? No, no, home opener. 
Home opener at Dallas. Right. Yeah. Anthony Mantha. The Anthony Mantha game. game. I think that's the only win I've been at at the LCA. The Manthony four goals. Yeah, before. Yeah. Hey, Red Wings undefeated on Wing Wheel Podcast Night. Someone posted that. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Want to know? You're welcome, everyone. I'm not saying we're responsible for that win, but I'm not not saying that. I don't know what we were responsible for, really. <laughs> <laughs> we were responsible for three very full sections in the. In the oh, it was crazy. I also. Um, thinking about the game, trying to get my brain to keep Sorry. going. I also thought Nick Letty had a quiet, good game. It's very yeah. obvious when he's on the ice because yeah. his partner is so much better. Whoever that is, even God damn it. Even Mark Stahl is better <laughs> if he's playing with Nick Letty. He is like Nick Letty doesn't really do anything super amazing. Like he's not the best, greatest skater. He doesn't have a great shot, but he kind of just does everything very well. And 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 no, like he's a a seasoned veteran. That is exactly how I would describe him because he does everything right and he knows exactly how to play the pro game. He's very cerebral. I actually think he's an excellent skater, but it's you almost don't notice it because he flows so well. You're right. He does. He doesn't have the top. He's not like a top end. Yeah, he's not Dylan Larkin out there. But you're right. Like he's a very cerebral, cerebral player who elevates the guys around him. We're talking about Philip Perona getting out of the funk, bad funk to start the season. Nick Letty is the biggest factor in that, for sure. I guess now that we're we're analyzing players after watching them in person, we should probably talk about Cider and Raymond since we watched them in person. And yeah, I, obviously your eyes are drawn to them on the ice, so we paid very close attention to them whether we wanted to or not. And I noticed obviously they play different positions, but there, there is a pretty significant difference between them and the way they play, and it's it's remarkable how effective both of it is. Starting with Lucas Raymond, for about eighty percent of that game, you wouldn't have noticed he was on the ice. He was he didn't make much happen. He made a couple mistakes, uh, a couple turnovers, lost a couple board battles. But for that other twenty percent, what he does is special. What he can do on the ice, what he sees and executes, eighty percent of the players in the NHL can't even dream about it's he's that guy who's kind of just there treading water you know just just plugging along and then he sees something and bang something happens whereas cider watching him he doesn't make a bad play he is always making the right play his even if it's a complicated play he really likes that between his own legs spinorama to get out of trouble he i think he pulled that off twice last game it's just remarkable how quickly he processes the game, is able to A, skate to the right position if it's a defensive zone coverage, or B, find what his outlet is or what his options are when he is, when the puck's on his stick. Because there's a couple times you'll watch and it's just like a glass and out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, that's a nothing play. But then watching it from in the stands and seeing the whole ice, he goes, it's, he's like, he just processed that he had zero outlets in half a second. Because the next play, he'll take a half step and he'll hit the one guy who's open in the right spot. So he's not just throwing it out on the glass note as a default. He has processed what is in front of him and determined that's his only play. It's, it's unbelievable to see how smart he is on the ice. Is Lucas Raymond playing with a nagging injury right now? You wouldn't know it when he gets the puck. I don't think he's been bad, but there's moments where I'm like, it, I really don't know how to explain it. He's, it might just be the general like ebb and flow of a season, but to start the year, he was in 
every single play every time he was on the ice i'm like this guy's attacking and dangerous and teams are game planning and nobody keeps that up 82 straight games like literally not Sidney crosby or well Connor mcdavid does but that's different um but i'm wondering because he was a game time decision on uh earlier in the week yeah so i'm wondering if something isn't nagging him if it was just these last couple games i would say this but he's looked like this for a couple weeks now teams are game planning him now like how much room did he get to breathe last night basically nothing yeah even coming out of like a, a routine breakout montreal was there he had zero time to make anything happen Munch, like i said montreal only gave him a few moments and he made stuff happen like it didn't always work but or it skipped over a stick or or the shot missed the net or something, but he made stuff happen in the very few windows he had. And he's not a physically imposing player. So when a team smothers him, he is going to struggle to generate, which is fine. That's That happens to everybody in the NHL. I mean, the Red Wings smothered Connor McDavid for 59 and a half minutes pretty effectively. So it is what it is. And again, but he's the he's got the type of skill set, like I said, he can be invisible for stretches and he'll still have an impact on the game. I mean, he was the primary assist on the overtime winner where he almost buried it himself before Larkin fin- finished it off. So it, it was really super interesting to see just the differences between him and Sider and, and how they approach the game. How many times when I was sitting next to you, Evan, did I go, is that Mo? Did Mo just do that? <laughs> yeah. He's, again, it's very different. They don't impact the game the same way, but they impact the game just as much or it's just as impressive, I should say. Yeah. I genuinely, I don't know if you guys know this, but I played defense before. I've heard that. Yeah. Thing. And uh, Mo's anticipation and intelligence, man, it was even more impressive in person. He's, we're, the, the, we're going to have to stop doing this show because every episode is just going to be saying the same things at this point. But legitimately, when I said it the other, the other day, um, you know, this is the kind of stuff you want defensemen to develop and, and understand over time. He knows it now. Everything else is gravy. He is supremely confident. So good, man. So confident. And that's hard. And that's hard. And, you know, to be that confident, think about his uh, spinorama across the blue line giveaway that almost gave up a breakaway goal. And then he came back and redeemed himself that very same game. That's the kind of confidence you want that kid to have. And, you know, credit to Jeff Blashill and the coaching staff over there. You know, you take your lumps when you get them. And of course, you want the kids to learn. But he threw Cider right back out there. Cider is getting those big minutes. Raymond is getting those big minutes. Raymond was tasked with Bertuzzi and Larkin to shut down the Connor McDavid line. And they did it. This is, uh, it's it's the confidence all around. It's weird. It's really strange watching this team and expecting success and seeing it. Or at least knowing it's, it's possible it's, every night. Yeah, it's potentially there. Um, okay, who do the Red Wings have coming up now? It's uh, They have two games on Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Monday in Columbus at 7 and Tuesday in Dallas uh, at 8.30 Eastern, those games. And we'll be, we'll be back with you on the pod on Wednesday the 17th. Um, wow, those game times worked out really well for my schedule. Yeah, they they we we Evan and I arranged that for you as a little. That is that is remarkable because Tuesdays are usually we pulled some horrible strings. for me. Yeah, we went and talked to um, Thank you. Steve and uh, Chris Illich. Uh, we said, hey, our friend Brad. Yeah. He's got six six leagues of hockey. Yes, yeah. plan. Can you move these games <laughs> oh, later start times? With hockey. They're like they're like, oh, is he like a good guy? Does he deserve this? And we were like, eh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. 
but we need to record a podcast on Wednesday. So no, it please was, let them watch the games. So we have Columbus and Dallas, um, man. I'm just, I'm really glad that after all the trash talk we did about Montreal <laughs> and after getting pumped by Montreal twice, the Red Wings came back and beat them at home for, for wing wheel night. Cause we chose the Montreal game. We chose the Montreal game. We, we were like, yeah, that's going to be a fun rivalry and we've had their number. So at, well, it was, it was teetering on embarrassing. It could have been very, very bad. So yeah. Shout out Dylan Larkin. Take that Mark Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, Cole Caulfield's in Laval still. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Scared. Fun, fun, fun little side note. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else we want to cover around the world of hockey? Ovi past Brett Hull on the all-time goals list. Hell yeah. He's, he's going to do it. He's going to do it, right? He's going to do it. He's not stopping. He's on pace for like 50 this year and he's like a hundred years old. Like he's, <laughs> if he's he, do it. if he started slowing down to 30 goals now, like 25, 30 goals, I would still think he's going to do it. Well, what did someone say when he signed his five-year extension, he had to average 33 goals per season over those um five seasons he's gonna blow past 33 by 15 20 goals this year yeah so <laughs> he's that put him down to a much lower number a much more manageable number so yeah he's gonna do it and i hope he does he's very efficient he's an efficient goal scorer which sounds which is the coldest take of all time for a guy who's probably who's undoubtedly the greatest goal scorer of all time he has a celebration where his <laughs> stick is on fire yeah <laughs> Okay, I I heard this four or five days ago, so I don't know how he scored his last goal or two, but I heard the craziest stat about the insane season he's having so far. Out of the 11 or 12 goals he scored this year, do you know how many have come from the quote-unquote OV spot? Like two, I think. None. Really? Zero. I've seen like heat maps uh, of where he scores, and it moves. He doesn't do it like two seasons in a row, really. He moves yeah. his spot around. He's been all over the place this year and how he scored a lot close to the net this year good for him like, i mean you have to adapt your game right yeah he's timing re- like it looks Otherwise, like he's just timing rebounds like, perfectly this you've year. seen teams in previous years literally just sit someone beside him yeah the, that, the red wings did that the red wings were the most obvious about it i remember that they would literally turn it into a four on three and just be like i'm standing here yeah He's still dunked on the Red Wings. He's scored, he scored so many goals. Hey, do you know how many shots on goal he had against Detroit the other day? That felt amazing. Zero. Zero shots on goal against Detroit is such a feat for... De- I almost Carver, That's Carver for the night he had 15. <laughs> yeah. It was a, the first time in like 50-something games he'd been held to zero shots on yeah. goal. I was like, it's almost rude. I almost thought, hey, you guys didn't really need to do that to him. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was it was, it was was good. And I, I absolutely think, A, you're right, Evan. He is the greatest goal scorer of all time. He can score in any way that he fashions, and it's ridiculous. Like he can he can score a one timer from the blue line before the goalie even sets up. That's how hard his shot is and how good his release is. But he can also walk everybody yeah. when he when he wants, and he also one punches nineteen year olds. Oh man. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> the, yeah, the f around find out. Andre found it. Yeah, (laughs) there were different opinions on that. People, people were talking about, you know, that's a kid. Ovi shouldn't have clocked him like that. And I was just like, 
I mean, oh, man. look at Svechnikov's season since then. It's like Ovi punched some extra talent into him. <laughs> it's an old Russian tradition. <laughs> the phrase Russian machine never breaks is so incredibly true. I've, I, I don't, I'm not waiting for Ovi to fall off. He's a marvel to watch, but I'm still, I'm like, it's going to have to come at some point. I don't know when that is. Probably after we die. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. He could play if he could if he was 49 years old and he needed like one more goal he he could suit up and get it in his first game i 100 percent think he will play in the nhl until he breaks that record and then he will play one year in the khl or whatever yeah. and then that's it yeah um okay quick standings update for for folks uh i'm going to do this in terms of points percentage because i know <laughs> we like to talk about the playoff standings. Uh, yes the 16 games played red wings are Four points ahead of Boston, who's played eight. <laughs> Detroit is second in the division in games played. They're tied with Toronto. So that's a stat that I really love that they're... No, I'm kidding. Uh, in terms of points percentage, Detroit is fifth in the division. Um, and with... Uh, you count the wild card spots and everything. They obviously wouldn't be in there. They'd be bumped out by you know, Tampa, Boston, and then all the other teams in, in terms of wild card. But Detroit still has a winning record, 8-6-2. and two. Well... Depends on how you count the two, but it's at least 500. Um, this is, it's still better than I thought this this season was going to be. And I thought this season was going to be better than last it year. Is, if the season ended right now, I would say the season has been a grand success because I think it checked off every one of our metrics for success. Yeah. Um, Ottawa and Montreal, I didn't expect them to be as good as they thought they were. I did not expect them to be this bad. Montreal or... Ottawa is the opposite of we're a team right now. I think they are. We are COVID because mm-hmm. don't they have two defensemen in the system that are eligible to play? Yeah, I think I read something. Do like you want to suit up? You gonna drive out to Canada? Uh, no, thank you. That's a brutal drive. Yeah, I I did it for a bicycle. It's. I remember you did that for a bicycle. It sucked, Evan. That's that's the he, Evan does weird stuff like that. Eh? He's like, oh, um, there's a special blender. That you can only get in Nipissing. And uh, yeah, I had to drove up there at 3 a.m. This is, oh, okay, this is not a real story. No. I would never do that. <laughs> I know what you're alluding to. Yeah, yeah. But either way, Ottawa's not bad this year. Ryan, remember, they're good. The rebuild is over. <laughs> <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> it's the same energy. They're they're like 4, 10, and 1, but they're actually good. As it's- David Guetta says, the rebuild is over (laughs) (laughs) stupid hey jake batherson's nasty yeah oh yeah he just got put on the covid list today nasty as in like has a lot of germs (laughs) (laughs) he's sick should have got that random test at the border no man it would have been okay um gonna be my fourth test this week love it i'm uh the jumping back to the red wings here we talked about the top line and at some point in that game Bertuzzi looked shaken up and uh actually Mitchell Stevens um to- went into His the controller boards. disconnected god <laughs> he's out but Blashill already confirmed he's out long term so oh, for a bit which is Blashill speak for long term so i i mean that's maybe Giovanni Smith slotting back in the lineup that's uh, Chase Pearson uh Joey Poison. That could be Joey Poison. That could be Joey Venom. 
I thought Berduzzi had a very tough night. Yeah. Yeah. They he, they were all over him. Yeah, he did not have a game. physically, like they were in his face the entire time. They were taking extra shots at him and uh, yeah, it was a tough night for him. I think so. I think his wrist at some point something He got taken out going to the net at some point too and just did the old feet first into the boards, which never feels great going at yeah. speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, again, we keep talking about that first line is going to be solid and dominant as long as they're healthy. And injuries are going to come in any season. We've already seen it. Also, injuries, suspension, um, literally not being able to play, whatever it might be. Um, but that's where I think the Red Wings are really going to have to focus. And hey, that... Zadina Suter Fabry line the honey badger line the honey badger line playing as well as they are means that you know Bertuzzi can have a bad game and it doesn't sink the Red Wings that's that's the key importance it's stuff we've said before but man Pew Suter being a viable second line center for this team right now is just so crucial to them being able to win on any given night they didn't have that before I would say my one critique of the game last night um the entire third period the uh (laughs) the uh six or eight to three minutes left in the game i saw far too much sam gagne and i saw far too much um carter carter rowney um so rowney larkin in the overtime, Carter I mean, Rowney takes the defensive zone face off and literally just skates off the ice. Well, it's like my job here is done, and he just skates off the ice. To be fair, Larks was—I think he got the—he got the internal boot from faceoffs that game. Yes, or you know maybe they were scheming for something off the draw, whatever it was. But yeah, I understand it. I understand the idea behind it. I'm just thinking NHL three on three. I'm not keen on. Not putting That's, your best guys. I, you just kind of rule. I, oh, no, I'm talking about before, like when they're b- clearly playing for the to get the overtime. Yeah, yeah. I, I even look back at you guys with what two minutes left, and all ten players on the ice were basically standing still, almost literally. And I said, I, "You think they're playing for overtime or not?" <laughs> yeah, I'm not a. I don't really know what the point of that is. I mean, I it's wanted not, to share the points. It's Sharing is caring. Evan. Yes, yes. I'm not a huge fan of it. I would rather no, I send. I'd rather run and gun with our best players against theirs, or whatever they decide to do. I don't even really care that much. I'm putting my best players out and riding my horses. I, so I'm not a huge fan of playing tummy sticks to make sure everybody gets their participation medal. <laughs> um, Evan, I, do you not like uh, overtime points? A loss for. Um- I would be okay with it if we're sending out our best players and we just can't get it done in, in 60 minutes. You do that if you're playing a team from the other conference because their points don't matter to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious to see where this team is at in terms of health. I'm wondering if there isn't stuff nagging here. Every team has that. Every team. Yeah, that's fair. Do we talk about Michael Rasmussen? Now that we've seen it with six eyeballs this year? Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I mean it when I say he can be an effective forward, but it's not going to come off raw talent and skill. You know, he could do that in junior. Did they think he was going to be um, Josh Uh, Anderson? 
Is that what the original thought was there? He doesn't skate as fast as him, obviously. <laughs> he doesn't have as clearly good enough hands or a good enough shot. But was that like so, their envisionment of Michael Rasmussen? Coming out of junior, he was billed as Thomas Holmstrom because he was so automatic on the power play in junior. Oh, yeah. Do you know how depressed it made me when he that statement came out about him uh, really learning and watching Luke Glendening? And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what we want to hear from the top 10 pick that you made very recently to, hey, we got this guy, what, ninth overall? You know what we need there? Luke Glendening. And we love Glennie. And there's a there's a use for guys like Glendening on a fourth line. Fine. Not in the top 10 of a draft, but no, it, Rasmussen is who he is as a player is becoming very obvious. He's good defensively because he's big and his skating's improved. He, he's good on faceoffs, which, you know, overvalued, but whatever. Coaches love that shit. And he's really, really good at the wide drive to the net. Actually did almost score in overtime on that exact play. Yeah, yeah. Those three things he's good at. The downside is those are the only three things he's good at, but there is some value in that, just not high in the lineup. I think the important part of this discourse is to constantly, and we're very guilty of it, but constantly remember that it's no longer about being ninth overall. That's dead and gone. Yeah, He's not going to be four picks worse than Elias Elias Pettersson. That's not there anymore. Or was it four picks? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, did he? Yeah. He just barely made the first round of our redraft. Like hey, that. That. So we can't. If that is what it is, we have to just put it out of sight, out of mind. But right now, Michael Rasmussen, I think he's very good. I love his defensive impacts, and I think he has a role in this team. It just hurts because you know he can do more, just not in the way where he's trying it right now. He is so big. It is ridiculous. His arm span plus stick is almost half the length, the width of the ice. He is so big, and he thinks he like he has an a mind for the offensive game. Like he's not doing things no, that he are doesn't. no. Okay, no, hear me out. He does. He's got the right idea in, on a lot of stuff, but he needs to drive that offense through strength, not through raw skill, because that doesn't stack up at the NHL level like it did for him in junior. He needs to get stronger, and that's how he needs to drive offense. That's how he needs to drive offense. Yeah, if you're talking about can he read an offensive zone at the yes. le- no, he can't. He has there is zero playmaking in his game. He has no vision when the puck is on a stick and again but i'm not talking about like play like he's not a playmaker or anything but he's not like someone he knows what his strengths are and he's he's still honing them i get what you're saying um because he's big and he's strong and he uses it like when he had i that don't w- think he's strong enough for a size, no he's not saying. no he's horrible remember when he lost that puck battle like that very easy what should have been easy puck battle from right in front of us and when i turned around to roll my eyes at you you had already <laughs> you were already looking at me laughing because you knew <laughs> <laughs> alex the took his or was that danny to kaiser yeah, was, yeah but, oh, uh, i'll just shut up but oh geez but yeah, no, either either way, he, he's getting better at it. Because like I said, he, when he does go wide, he leans and he doesn't use his strength, but he uses his length. The def- the defenseman can't touch the puck when he does it because there's like 17 feet between the defenseman and the puck. Yeah. Um, he loses board battles too easy. When he has the puck on his stick, his only, he gets tunnel vision. He's like puck, net, go now, which when he develops his strength is going to be a really good asset because if he can just win every puck battle and get that puck to the net and create chaos, 
that's more than the Red Wings fourth line has done for the last five years. And I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. It's good. And he does have some touch around the net. We did see it in junior. And that's all I mean. Like, yeah. So there is a role for him on this team. It shouldn't be an offensive role and it shouldn't be a prominent role, but there is a role on his team, but he's not there yet because like you said, for a dude who is six foot a million, he should never lose a puck battle, let alone lose them as easily as he does. When I think a grace for Jonathan, Jonathan Berger, uh, uh, Michael Rasmussen will be when Jonathan Bergeron, Joe Valeno, the young guns make this team permanently and he can play down the lineup with less pressure. And he's not expected to slot up the lineup at the first hint of an injury. And, you know, if it takes a longer time for him to develop those offensive skills, because remember, Michael Rasmussen is still a kid. Like, he's what, 21 years old? 22, I want to say. He's already played six years in the NFL. Yeah. And yeah he, how weird was it to see uh, that clip they showed on the Jumbotron where he was screening – uh, the goalie for Philip Heronik's first NHL goal. It's yeah. like, oh my God, they yeah, came in at the ridiculous. same time. <laughs> he is a testament to how the NH- or the CHL-NHL agreement can be detrimental to a player's development. He's 22 years old. There's time for this to come. It's just the expectation isn't that he turns into a 30-goal scorer, but the expectation, I think, should be that he's a strong defensive player who you can put out there and know that nothing bad is going to happen in your own end. And there's at least an outside shot that he's going to use his strength in his body to create some offense. If he scores 10 goals a year and is in like an automatic, yeah, throw him out there and he's going to shut down the opponent opposing team's top six forwards. That is a huge f- value in that massive, massive value. value. Yeah. You know, and the nice thing is like, you can't have everyone on the team be a running gun. No. Well, wheeling and dealing sniper scoring 50 goals. Like you, you're going to have to have the guys who make two, three million bucks who just eat or a little uh, minute munchers. Yeah. Like I've quietly become a, not a fan of Michael Rasmussen, but I'm like, like a supporter almost, you know, like I, I watch him. I'm like, there is still something there. There is that I think he could potentially unlock. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but he, I just, there's just something I, you could, there's some, something there. I just don't know what it is. What he should be now based on his skill set, And I mentioned this to you during the game, what he should be at his peak is Milan Lucic. Win every puck battle, bang in every rebound, and tip every puck. That's it. He's good at he's good at tipping. He has excellent hand eye coordination. I don't know if he scored a goal in the NHL on a deflection, but he had like fifty deflection goals when he was in junior. Um, like get to the net, get the puck to the net, which we've already established he can do. When that puck is there, win every battle and jam it in. Yep. Tip every puck. Plant your ass there and let the you know, Joe Valeno's, Jonathan Bergerins of the world, who the hell ever cycle the puck around. And when it goes into the corner, go get it back. Yeah. Like that's he needs to be he needs to be a real prick to play against. Yeah. And he's not right now. And that's the problem. He is super soft. And because what was his biggest problem coming to the NHL? We all went, looked at him and went, Oh, he can't skate. If he develops skating, it's game over for everybody. He's a really god watching him in person. He's a really goddamn good skater yeah, now. That, yeah, and that is and and he's still not what I expected yeah, of no. him at all. His skating came around, and he's actually a, a lesser player than what we thought he was going to be. So it's just this 
backwards conundrum that it's, it's like the the opposite of philip zadina we're like oh this guy's gonna score 50 goals no problem and now it's like oh he can't score but he can do literally everything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's michael i i look at michael rasmussen for a, a really good litmus test for the red wings development team there's something there we're not harping on this guy because you know using him as a punching bag we're harping on this because there's more there like evan said there it's it's there and it's not about ninth overall, and you need to make he, that pick worth it. It's not about that. He's got to figure it out. And, like, not everybody is – just because you're 6'4", 220 pounds doesn't mean you have the the mental capacity or mental makeup to be an asshole and, or be a physically dominant player. Like, there's guys who are that big who are just the the friendly giant out there. Like, Moritz Sider hasn't murdered anyone in the NHL yet. Yeah. So, I – like – I think that's sort of how he has to play to survive and play a long time in the NHL. He, he'll have to figure it out regardless. We'll see how he develops. You know, watching this watching this team bring – not letting Heronic spiral gives me confidence. With yeah, he's Ra- been really good since the scratches. Oh, we yeah. won't get into detail again, but I just – after watching him again last night, like, he's back. He has been – excellent yes. since those two games he got scratched major credit to both jeff blashill and nick letty on that one yeah um thousand percent with rasmussen my prediction is you might just have to ride out the season and, and we're three idiots sitting in a home studio slash sometimes at little caesar's arena i'm sorry i was mel was like at times you looked like you were gonna cry i was like ah well can't say i wasn't um <laughs> We like we're we're talking heads, right? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We he probably works his ass off. No one's saying Michael Rasmussen is not working his ass off. It's probably just going to take time. There's to no there's no silver bullet for this. Like he will ha- he it is difficult. He's not and, five foot ten with a dumpling pudgy body like me. It's, it's showering hard. with the lights off. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to fill out a frame that big with that much strength. It's it's going to take time. I genuinely believe it's there though. And we and like Zadina, it's a lot of it is just confidence. You you can tell when he has the puck on a stick. If he is not driving wide, he wants nothing to do with that puck, and he is looking for any excuse to chip it, get rid of it right away. And when he does have opportunities, he's double clutching it. We were making fun of him for it um, the second it happened, but when he had, I, th- I think it was Adam Ernie gave him basically an empty net, and all Rasmussen had to do was kind of one time it from the circle. He didn't even attempt it. Caught the pass, settled it down, double clutched it. By the time he got the shot off, he hit the goalie perfectly in the chest. If he one times that and catches sixty percent of it, it's in. Yeah, the goalie was not. He just it, the the thought never even registered in his head to one time that. And one timers aren't easy. Don't get me wrong, but like you have to try it. If if you flub it, whatever. Who cares? But the fact that he just had to take so long to get that shot off just is a pretty good indication of where his confidence level with the puck is at okay um before we jump into overtime here i want to quickly tell you the celebrity roast of brett hall uh in benefit of the jamie daniels foundation november 22nd please folks check that out you can check uh find out more on jamie daniels foundation.org that's where you can watch it also on valley sports detroit um additionally the silent auction currently going on uh attached to that uh, celebrity roast incredible incredible stuff up on there um ken was telling us telling everyone who's at the uh, the live show um 
Evan, did you bid on any golf packages yet? No, I have not. Mm. There is cottage weekends or weeks too, and those look interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's going to be really, really incredible um, to watch that celebrity roast. I think this is going to be one of the funnier ones. We talked about it. Brett Hall's an easy guy. He has to- given us literally infinite ammo. <laughs> it's it's going to be very good to watch so that's monday november 22nd at 8 p.m valley sports detroit uh jamie daniels foundation.org to find out more details on that and the silent auction all right uh jumping into overtime for anyone who doesn't know we have reformed overtime um we think it was a change that um was pretty necessary in terms of uh putting out a good quality show and thank you to all of you who gave us feedback in person on that so it seems which was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. So we're going to jump through a few uh, overtime questions here. One from Jacob Snyder, who says, uh, oh, this is on Patreon, patreon.com slash podcast if you want to support us three dummies. He says, uh, I understand rookies always have these skids, but Raymond has looked pretty poor the last three games. Even the assist he did have the other night, it was a misplay. He's going to be great, but he's not looking dynamic right now. He's never played more than 37 games in a season for one team. This is a whole new ball game for him. He's never played this condensed a schedule. And it's only going to get tougher for him once he starts getting up into games 50, 60, 70, 80. Um, teams are game planning for him now. He's getting less time and space. Um, like I talked about earlier, though, he's a special player. He doesn't need many opportunities to make an impact on a game. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty close to a, what I would expect he would happen to him for a bunch of stretches this season. So I'm not super stressed about it. I mean, he didn't score, but he still got an assist on the OT winner because he was still in the right spot to almost score the OT winner. Ruthless and toothless says uh, Fabry had a good game, but he should be benched unless you're knocked out. You always making a play an attempt to play the puck caused a goal that way. Other than that, there's a lot to be happy about with this team. Michael around the boards for Asmussen uh, notes that he did not have a good game. Says useless as ever. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a perfect game from Fabry. But Suterin's, that's the the benefit of having a good second line. Suter and Zadina had strong games, so it it was still a net positive. I do understand, though, like watching a guy give up on a puck or a play I thought it was hurt. Yeah, he looked very hurt. Yeah. No, no, that's what I'm getting to. Like, yeah. watching a guy, like, give up on a puck, like, it's tough, but he looked seriously. Like, part, I didn't get to it earlier, but talking about injuries, like, it did. he did not look good. And you could tell even before he got up and was hobbling. It, the Red Wings could have came out of that game with three or four players injured for longer than a day. Yeah. And Mitchell Stevens has hole in the boards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John sorry, Mitchell. <laughs> Uh, John Evans says, hello, gentlemen, gentlemen, greetings from Ohio. Uh, so glad I made the trip up to meet you all. I was wondering if you've noticed that Little Caesars pizza somehow tends to taste better at the LCA. I can't explain it. No, it actually does. I, I can't explain it either. It's like it's like going to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. 100%. It's going to be amazing. It's like uh, Guinness from the Guinness yes. pub in Ireland. Like it, it's going to taste better. It bangs. It literally bangs. <laughs> people, people listening to this, they know they don't actually... That's not where, never mind. <laughs> Have you ever seen what's under the arena? You can't tell me for can't sure. Tell. That's uh, As that- far as I'm concerned, that is the home of Little Caesars Pizza. As you venture out, it gets worse. Yeah. The further you are from the LCA, the worse yeah. it is. Uh, Brian Burr says, new patron here. Brian, welcome to the Dub Dub Club, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, says, thanks again for putting Winged Wheel Podcast Night together. If you were able to do an away meetup, 
Where would you want to do it? Vegas. Vegas. Oh, <laughs> Ryan would die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. But happily. And that's yes. important. Um, That'd be the second time I've seen you googly eyed in a, in a casino then. <laughs> uh, Vegas. Vegas would be a blast. But we should say we owe you guys a Grand Rapids trip. I am. I have already committed to at least like four meat missiles. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a Friday night game. We don't know which one. But we just know it's going to be a Friday night game. Yeah. Well, um, genuinely, that was our first event that was canceled because of the pandemic. And we haven't forgotten about uh, the incredible podcast fans in Grand Rapids. That's on the books. More to come once we have a nap. Um more questions here justin and the angry mob says ryan brad and evan it was a pleasure to finally meet you in person and man what a night the turnout for this event was extraordinary a true testament to the work you've all put in throughout the years thank you justin um incre- I, I felt like i already knew so many of you but it was really really good to to connect in person it says what a game dylan larkin has a knack for scoring these uh those really acute angled goals like the ones last night is that his version of ovechkin's spot but in seriousness, I do want to ask about what happens when Verona returns. It's clear that Lucas Raymond will never see the AHL. It's also also possible that Larkin and Bertuzzi might not be separated. So when he returns, how would this affect the depth chart? If the team is, however unlikely this is, but if the team is playing like they are now, when he comes back, the, the first solution or the first thing they would do might just be to plug him in on the third line. <laughs> Because the top two lines are playing great together. I don't know if you want to break up that chemistry. Um, the reality here is that there's a very strong chance that uh, other fours on this team will be traded around the time he's coming back. So My answers. One way yeah, he's traded. There, there's going to be a hole somewhere on that roster, whether it's Nemesnikov or Fabry or whoever. Verona is probably just going to plug in there. You want to know my hot take? Two forwards are gone via trade. That's not crazy to think about. Fabry and Nemesnikov are having good years. There's going to be, they're going to get attention at the deadline. So what do you, what do you think? Who's going to go or who's going to, is anyone going to go? Well, if we're talking about where Verona is going to slot in, it's going to be because of an injury, a trade, or they'll ease them in on the third line and just work them back in. Um, If we're talking about, what moves the Red Wings are going to make? I would think I would say the over under is at two and a half. Oh wow! Yeah, that's probably right. I think. It, yeah, I suppose if you're you're making two big moves, you're probably making a small one as well. If 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 they, what I think is they really like Nick Letty, and they would be okay keeping him. I don't think they would trade him. For for just getting picks or a B-level prospect at this point. You're not moving him for not enough because he has too much value with very important development, and that's not just Mo Sider. Simon Edmondson, come on down. Edmondson's having himself a good season over in Sweden, and we are overdue on a Swedish and prospect update, update we know. Um, Weird. We're not, for the first time in a long time, we're not desperate to talk about prospects. <laughs> um but hey, Letty and Edvinson on the left side next year. You have a pair for Heronic. You have a pair for Cider. Yeah, Letty's giving tutelage horizontally and vertically, right? Mm-hmm. And Cider can thrive even next to DeKaiser right now, who had a good game. 
I, he we, took a slap shot, which was probably the highlight of the game for me. Yeah. We were a half inch away from a Danny DeKaiser breakaway, and you have no idea how excited I was. <laughs> He's we needed leaking it. Leaking oil at the blue line. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm positive he would have got caught by the blue line, but like that neutral zone skate would have been damn exciting. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, uh, and then last question here from Emily Ascuri. Uh Emily wants to know how this podcast came together, and this is a question we get from time to time, but it uh, it does strike us that there might be some new listeners to this one. So, uh, believe it or not, met via the internet. None of us knew each other before. Uh, Brad put a call out because Brad loves to talk and was like, I want to start a Red Wings podcast. And uh, I've always kind of wanted, I had always wanted to do the same thing. And um, Brad actually didn't answer me the first time I said yes. And he put out another call out and I messaged him and I was like, listen, you piece of shit. I already said yes to this. Don't make me beg. No, I'm kidding. I don't remember that. No, yeah. we uh, we met at a Tim Hortons, uh, two strangers from the Internet. Neither of us stabbed each other. <laughs> Good start. Yes. Not that it hasn't happened yet. But. I met Evan uh, at the first recording and uh, it's been gangbusters ever since. Hell yeah. The threat of stabbing has not decreased. <laughs> I will say. It has it's as high as ever. <laughs> I mean it when I say I really have a lot of um, admiration for these guys for how patient they were with how anxious I was. All three of us genuinely wanted everything to go amazingly yesterday, but they were very patient. Um, when Evan turned to me and said, I almost brought my golf clubs and tried to get around in this morning. <laughs> That was there was a lot of truth, but also a lot of just trying to ra- get a rouse out of you. That was the highest potential stabbing moment in the history of the podcast. We came close. We came <laughs> close, and Evan went to the wrong hotel that morning, and that was funny. But yeah. the day started off hilariously <laughs> when we went downstairs to the lobby because Evan. Okay, I'm going to say one thing before we we're, we need to wrap this up. Evan called us down. <laughs> the full story is for another day, but essentially he went to the wrong hotel and I can understand how he made the mix up kind of. There's two Marriott's yeah, right yeah. beside each other. But he I told me to go to the Marriott. I, a courtyard Marriott. Anyways. Um, he, and I knew I told Brad, I was like, he's at the wrong Marriott for sure. Brad and I are down there to help him bring stuff in. <laughs> Do you know what I carried up? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. There was nothing well, for me to carry. Let let me also add in my defense that you would have had things to carry if I had not left my coffee mug no, on Evan. the table at the other hotel. <laughs> Evan. Rest in peace, my mana coffee mug. That could have absolutely stayed in your car. Evan, Evan, you had a backpack and one roots bag. Was it roots? Yes. With handles, Evan. Oh, then I had like Evan. You carry golf clubs around a course. <laughs> well, then I had like clothes in my hands. Yeah, yeah and, he had and jackets, loose clothes. Yeah, yeah, those clothes. The clothes for him to wear were just sitting on his seat. Uh, no bag, no suitcase, no backpack. At one point, back. we were leaving. He was like, "All right, yeah." We knocked on his door. He's like, "What?" I was like, "What do you mean? What? <laughs> what do you mean? What? We're going." And he, uh, <laughs> he's like, "Okay, I just got to tie my shoes." Six minutes later, leaves his room. I'm like, I think he was Googling how to tie his shoes. He had a YouTube. I don't even think I had my clothes on yet. The best part is when he opened the door, it wasn't like he opened the door. Hey, what's up? It, he oh, The chain could have still been closed. He's like, what? <laughs> we could see a third of his face. You can never be too sure. The, the amount of times Brad and I looked at each other, we were like, I don't understand how he makes it through the day. You came down alone, which I thought was bold. Um, 
but I also understand Kat probably had a good vacation. Yeah, uh, yeah, she did not. <laughs> no? She had to paint the ceilings all weekend. <laughs> I would not have done a single thing. <laughs> all right, folks. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Patrons, uh, stay tuned. We're going to post the Patreon exclusive. The rest of your overtime comments, we are going to read them out and answer them. Um, folks, thank you so much. Um, there aren't enough... There aren't enough words uh, for us to to properly convey how appreciative, how humbled, um, how happy and thrilled we are with with how Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA went um, and for your support through that and through Wings Money on the Board for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, for new listeners, welcome to the show. Uh, I do mean it when I say we start the hockey talk much earlier. It's not, you know, 15 minutes of, <laughs> of recapping, like the meta recapping, but um, pretty momentous occasion we feel for not just us, like literally this entire community. So um, thank you all. We'd like to thank um, all of our listeners and uh, especially our name level sponsors on Patreon who are a massive, massive reason why something like this happens. Um, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, uh, Nick Perks, Taylor Tagel, Matthew M. Rice, Arjun Shanker again, Brandon M., Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, who's a brand new name level sponsor. Welcome, Jimmy, and thank you for your support. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Clayton Van Dyken, Craig Kibble, Dirk Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam Al Qasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Shea Lobsanger's number one Stan, Slognog, Stacy Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, uh, Ass, <laughs> Babe Landeskog, Ben Barron, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eric Sinkowski, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, who is a brand new name level sponsor. So, James, welcome to the Dub Dub Club and thank you so much for your support. Uh, moving on here, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stull, brand new name level sponsor. Welcome to the Dub Dub Club, Logan. Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Michael Alsante, MJC, brand new name level sponsor. Welcome and thank you for your support. Reed, Revy DeLuca, Trevor Pebavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.